What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P Why'd you hit me? 
The barrel set straight for the cop's kidney. The cop got scared, the kid he thought to figure. I'll do years if I pull this trigger. So he cold dashed and ran around a block. Cop radios into another lady cop. He ran by a tree, there he saw the sister. Shot for the head, he shot back, but he missed her. Looked around good and from expectations, he decided he'd hit for the subway station. But she was coming and he made a left. He was running top speed till he was out of breath. Knocked an old man down and swore he killed Sorry. him. Then he made his move to an abandoned building. Ran up the stairs up to the top floor. Opened up a door there. Guess who he saw? Who? Dave the dope fiend shooting dope. Who don't know the meaning of water nor soap? He said, I need bullets. Hurry up, run. The dope fiend brought back a spanking shotgun. He went outside where there were cops all over. Then he dipped into a car. A stolen over. Raced up the block to 83. Crashed into a tree near university. Escaped alive though the car was battered. Ratatat tatted and all the cops scattered. Ran out of bullets and he still had static. Grabbed the pregnant lady and pulled out the automatic. Pointed out her head, he said the gun was full of lead. He told the cops, back off, for honey, here's dead. Deep in his heart, he knew he was wrong. So he let the lady go and he starts to run on. Siren sounded, he seemed astounded. And before long, the little boy got surrounded. He dropped his gun, so went to glory. And this is the way I have to end this story. He was only one. K-I-R-P Radio! Good evening. It is Friday night, February 24th, 2017. This is Last Friday Nights with Rocco P., your guest host on the KIRP radio show. The RP stands for Keeping It Real with Pudgy Miller. Not Rocco P., but I am Pudgy's guest host once a month. I deeply appreciate the opportunity to use his platform. I cannot believe how quickly the weeks and the months are going by. I looked at the calendar last week, and I saw, hey, there is a, I will have a show next Friday because it is the last Friday of the month in February. Tonight, I would like to discuss the deep state, in particular, the narrative that we've heard much on the news, both the corporate news media as well as the alternative news media about Trump versus the deep state. President Donald J. Trump versus the deep state. The story unfolded to some degree, though people were talking about this before, uh, well before Michael Flynn resigned. But when Trump's national security advisor, retired General Michael Flynn, resigned, he was forced to resign. And uh, a number of stories have developed over uh, the circumstances surrounding his resignation, why that happened, and how that could have occurred. And we'll look at that in detail, but the the basic story you've probably heard, if, if you followed it, is that we have this thing called the deep state. And we'll define that, and I'll define that in a moment a little bit more clearly. And this government inside the government, so to speak, is waging war against Donald Trump and his administration, and Michael Flynn was the first casualty. And that's that's a pretty neat narrative. I don't necessarily endorse all of that. <laughs> I don't believe it's that simple. I think it's a bit more complex. But what is the deep state? Some people use the deep state as a, syn- as a synonymous term 
for the shadow government. Some people talk about the deep state. Some people would say the shadow government. And they say, well, what is what is the shadow government? There's two basic definitions when we're talking about shadow government or deep state. One would be the official, the official deep state, or the official shadow government, and that's the idea that at the at the level of the federal government, there is a continuity of government plan in place. There's a whole structure of a government inside a government called continuity, really continuity of government system. And people have debated how much this government, this continuity of government system operates all the time. Because a lot of, a lot of it has to do legally with the U.S. being in a state of emergency and uh, this undeclared state of war that certainly existed at least since 9-11. And a lot of the COG, some of the COG operations have kicked into place after 9-11. And I didn't look up, I, I didn't research it in detail tonight, but you could check it out. You go to places like Washington's blog. You go to duckduckgo.com or startpage.com. I don't use the other guy. It's part of the problem. But you go to duckduckgo.com or startpage.com, look up some of the things I'll mention tonight. You go to Washington's blog, and you can search on continuity of government, uh, deep state, or shadow government. And there's a real, there's a lively debate as far as was the shadow government, was this continuity of government that kicked in after 9-11, was that ever disassembled, was it ever terminated? I'm not sure. The other definition of shadow government or deep state is broader, and that's the idea that there's an unelected uh, unelected government bureaucrats, corporations, contractors, paper pushers, and button pushers who actually call the shots behind the scenes right now. And uh, I got that simple working definition from John Whitehead. John Whitehead's a patriot. You go to his site, rutherford.org. It's Rutherford, R-U-T-E-H. E-R-F-O-R-D, Rutherford.org, and he wrote a piece. I believe he writes at least one one piece a week. And this was his commentary back from November 10th, 2015. And he entitled it, The Deep State, The Unelected Shadow Government is Here to Stay. The Deep State, The Unelected Shadow Government is Here to Stay. So there's a few things that uh, John Whitehead had said concerning the deep state. The first shadow government, COG, economy, new government, is a phantom menace waiting for the right circumstances, a terrorist attack, a natural disaster, an economic meltdown, to bring it out of the shadows where it operates even now, when and if COG takes over, the police state will transition to martial law. Some of those things are debatable. Like I said, it could actually be worse than what Whitehead wrote because we really could have uh, elements of COG operating now since 9-11. It may have never gone away. As far as martial law, uh, I... I don't know if I've said this before on the show, but what we're living through now is we're already in a police state now. A lot of people think, well, that would, yeah, that would be crazy, and that that'd be outrageous to say because police state would mean that you know anyone could get their door kicked in and get taken away, you know, without due process, and that can happen now. Uh, it can happen now. They could set you up easily due to. Uh, through extrajudicial means, we have things like uh, civil asset forfeiture, meaning if you're driving around and you have a lot of cash, uh, your cash 
could be confiscated or stolen by the police. And then you'd be in a position where you you could be charged then for for a pre-crime, and then you would have to prove, you'd have to take the time and spend the money to prove in a court of law that you had a right to that money and it wasn't obtained illegally. Same thing with the so-called war on drugs. There's nothing in the federal constitution that can or should govern drugs, just like we had to pass an amendment to make alcohol illegal in this country. Back in the day, uh, when people in the early 20th century had a better working understanding of the Constitution, they respected it as the final rule of law in this nation. So they knew if you wanted to make alcohol illegal prohibition, you had to amend the Constitution because there's nothing there. Federal government couldn't just pass laws like that. But then, after prohibition was repealed, then magically the federal government decided they could pass laws against drugs. So there's a lot of ways we are living in a police state, but, but the point is I don't want to go down that that rabbit trail. The, if if you think the war on drugs is moral, just remember, remember this, just let one thing sink in. The war on drugs only exists to further the police state. In other words, it only exists to put people in jail for non-violent offenses. Okay? And unless you're, you know, you're, you're basically you're, you're stealing from people to get drugs, okay? someone's using drugs just like to use alcohol, you know, they might be a menace to themselves, but the government can't protect you from yourself. When it does, again, that's when you get tyranny, which is what we're living through. But the idea that we are in a police state now, we are in, in the early stages of it, is very, very clear to me. You never have to call, you never have to say it's a police state. You just continue to change the laws where, you know, we, we, we right now have, like in North Carolina, we have an internal passport, driver's license and you say well all states have a driver's license all states do not comply with the real id act which was passed under george w bush where you have a national which is really an international standard of uh on that card on that driver's license some states like south carolina opted out and the federal government continues to roll back so we're not going to comply eventually it will force force all states to comply with that so you think about the restrictions on our travel. You think about restrictions on how we spend money. Try to exist for 30 days in the United States of America. And just you know, check check this out if you think we're not in a police state. Try and pay every one of your bills an entire month just with cash. And see how that works out and get back to me. If you don't think we're in a police state. You never have to say it's a police state, and even with the phrase martial law, you never have to say it's martial law. All you have to do is, like we have now in the, in the United States, we have the frog and the kettle approach. You keep that frog, you put that frog in the water, and you put you put you know the, you put the burner on, you put the heat on really low. The frog likes it. it. Slowly gets warmer. It's very comfortable until the frog is then you know boiled to death without realizing it. And pretty much that's what's going on now. In the U.S., oh, we're losing our rights slowly. Some people enjoy it. Some people think it's a good thing that they have to get molested to get on their in their plane. Uh, some people think, yeah, the TSA should be expanded. Donald J. Trump himself, before he was president, said he liked stop and frisk in New York City. You could see it going national, which is a horrific abuse, uh, violation of our natural rights. That. You have police in New York that are having the arm just walk up to anyone in the subway and say, let me see what's in your briefcase, let me see what's in your purse, let me see what's in your pockets. 
you know, that's America. So you never have to use the phrase police state. You never have to use the phrase martial law. You just have to realize that we just methodically, systematically, and consistently losing our rights, regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of who's in Congress, regardless of who's in power in the State House. And you know, John Whitehead, he's yeah, you know, he he's spot on on this. He knows what the deal is. And he wrote he wrote a piece uh, he wrote a piece before the election where he said. You know, voting is the the illusion of participation. <laughs> I would say it's the it's the illusion of choice. And he said, "What are we going to expect? Regardless of who's elected, you're going to get we're going to get more police state." In this piece, I was talking about with the shadow government. Whitehead wrote, "Yes, I point out in my book, Battlefield in America: The War on the American Public, is the second shadow government, the deep state, which poses the greatest threat to our freedoms. This permanent, corporatized." militarized, entrenched bureaucracies unaffected by elections, unaltered by populist movements, and beyond the reach of the law. This is the hidden face of the police state. These two shadow governments, which make a mockery of representative government and the reassurance ritual of voting, have been a long time in the making. Yet they have been so shrouded in secrecy, well hidden from the eyes and ears of the American people, they exist and function in contravention to the principles of democratic government. As the following makes clear, these shadow governments which operate beyond the reach of the Constitution with no real accountability to the citizenry are the reason why we the people have no control over our government. Uh, and I could quote more. That's, that's an excellent piece. You can go to Rutherford.org, November 10, 2015. Do a search for the deep state. The unelected shadow government is here to stay by John W. Whitehead. So this uh, the story broke out as far as what happened with Flynn. Flynn Flynn was a very interesting character. He got uh, fired by Obama. Obama he was uh, as far as political affiliation he was a Democrat, and Trump gravitated to him before he was elected. National Security Advisor, if you don't recall, isn't is not technically a cabinet position. So Michael Flynn did not have to be. Uh, he didn't have to appear before the Senate. But the situation, uh, as far as what occurred, is very interesting. Flynn, before uh, before he was appointed as National Security Advisor, was recorded having conversation with a Russian diplomat. And as far as what I've researched, nothing he said was illegal. Nothing he said was illegal. No law was violated. But... He did misrepresent himself, evidently, to Vice President Pence, and then uh, then he was forced to resign by President Trump. It wasn't really voluntary. That came out pretty clearly. That uh, he had no option. If he didn't resign, he would have been fired, which is in essentially being fired when you're forced to resign. That's that's easy to say. But uh, here's a piece from a publication called The Week about Flynn, uh, and. Uh, the author wasn't any fan of Flynn, but he wrote, but uh, no one should be cheering the way he was brought down. The guy's name was Damon Lanker, February 14, 2017, the week. Quote, the whole episode is evidence of the precipitous and ongoing collapse of America's democratic institutions, not a sign of their resiliency. Flynn's ouster was a soft coup or political assassination engineered by anonymous intelligence community bureaucrats. The results might be salutary, but this isn't the way liberal democracy is supposed to function. 
unelected intelligence analysts work for the president, not the other way around. Yeah, just ask John F. Kennedy that if he was alive. Far too many Trump critics appear not to care that these intelligence agents leaked highly sensitive information to the press, mostly because Trump critics are pleased with the result. Finally, finally, they say someone took a stand to expose collusion between the Russians and senior aide to the president. It is indeed important that someone took such a stand, but it matters greatly who that someone is and, and, how, they, and how they take their stand. Now, to, to you know, cut away from what he's writing, uh, again, Flynn said or did nothing illegal, so this is part of the neoliberal, how they divide us left versus right, Democrat versus Republican. Uh, there was no need to take a stand against this imaginary collusion, which uh, does not exist. Really, just does not exist. If you think it does exist, just check out uh, Nikki Haley, Trump's UN ambassador. Her first speech at the UN was you know, attacking Russia pretty severely. So if you think there is this collusion, check that out. So Donald J. Trump tweeted on February 14th, the real story here is why are there so many illegal leaks coming out of Washington? Will these leaks be happening as I deal in North Korea, etc.? And then this writer, who's a neoliberal, said President Trump was roundly mocked among liberals for that tweet, but he is in many ways correct. These leaks are an enormous problem, and in the less polarized context, they would be recognized immediately for what they clearly are, an effort to manipulate public opinion for the sake of achieving a desired political outcome, this weaponized spin. So it's uh it was it's interesting then, yeah. Uh how Flynn again, how he gets scanned. Nothing illegal, said or done. But Trump wasn't willing to essentially take I guess the pushback or uh, one way you could look at it, he didn't want to he didn't want to hear the consequences of this haunting him, or so that's the way it's being it's being portrayed. So again, you have the neoliberal spin. There's a lot of, a lot of angles to the story that this shows there was collusion between Trump and Russia, and there weren't. Trump, uh, Flynn was speaking before he was elected, and he got in trouble because he misrepresented himself, not because anything he said was really that simple. Nothing, nothing he said was illegal. It goes back though to this idea of how the intelligence is gathered and disseminated because it's given to the Washington Post, which is probably CIA's favorite paper. Uh, and that's a whole other angle I'm not going to get into tonight. Just, you know, the massive, you know, I've dealt with the media before in control, but just the massive influence of the federal government, you could say in particular the CIA, behind the corporate media. Uh, Anderson Cooper used to work for the CIA. Supposedly, he's not with them anymore. But <laughs> among others, uh, this was this was a piece uh, Zero Hedge ran. Zero Hedge is a great site, uh, and again, a, a lot of the good independent sites you don't just get one view. It's not like yeah, you know, everything is you know Trump. Trump is great. You know, his critics are all evil, or you know, other Democrats are great, and you know Trump is all evil. So. Zero Hedge would probably, you know, lean pretty much philosophically libertarian. There was some economic issues, but like a lot of libertarians, you know, they, they appreciate, as I do, I in one, uh, to some degree, I appreciate a lot of what Trump has done. It's just the whole package, <laughs> the whole package that uh, 
it cannot be endorsed. It's, we get into this idea again of the rule of law, the rule of law, and our respect for individual liberties. Uh, this piece in Zero Hedge uh, took the angle with Jay Sekulow saying that Jay Sekulow, American Sense for Law and Justice, right winger, that the guy's you know very extremely pro-Israel to to take the angle that what happened was engineered by Obama because he changed these rules that how the NSA operates before he left off. Very interesting, interesting angle. And I'll quote that zero hedge piece. In uh, in light of the recent flurry of leaks by the so-called deep, by the so-called deep state, which includes such agencies as the NSA and FBI, and which last week led to the resignation of Mike Flynn after a phone recording of his conversation with the Russian ambassador, was leaked to the Washington Post and other anti-Trump publications. An article published on January 12th by the New York Times has generated renewed interest. One month ago, the New York Times reported, quote, that in its final days, the Obama administration expanded the power of the NSA to share globally intercepted personal communications with the government's 16 other intelligence agencies before applying privacy protections. The new rules significantly relaxed long-standing limits on what the NSA may do with the information gathered by its most powerful surveillance operations, which are largely unregulated by American wiretapping laws. These include collecting satellite transmissions, phone calls, and emails that cross network switches abroad, and messages between people abroad that cross domestic network switches. The change means that former officials will be searching through raw data. Essentially, the government is reducing the risk that the NSA will fail to recognize that a piece of information would be valuable to another agency, but increasing the risk that officials will see private information about innocent people. According to civil rights expert prominent First American Supreme Court lawyer Jay Sekulow, what the agencies did by leaking the Trump administration information was not only illegal, but, quote, almost become the soft coup, end quote, which, one which, was spurred by the last-minute rule change by Obama, which intentionally made it far easier for leaks to propagate next to impossible to catch those responsible for leaks. So I'm going to play this clip. Sekulow was on a Sean Hannity's show. It's like about four and a half minutes. And you can see how he frames, how he interprets the conflict uh, and the intelligence community info link, the intelligence leak that brought that flood. The president announcing yesterday he will sign a new executive action on immigration early next week. So what can be worded differently so liberals and the courts cannot stop it? Joining us now from the American Center for Law and Justice, Jay Sekulow. All right, a lightning round quick just to get facts on the table. The big story, you agree with me, is that the intelligence community has been politicized, at least among some, and what they did in leaking this information was illegal, correct? Absolutely illegal and almost becomes a soft coup in a sense because of the leaks that have taken place, which violate federal law, a felony. Okay, and that would be the Espionage Act 18 U.S. Code 793. Correct. Unauthorized dissemination of information. Okay, the other thing is, so we know that our intelligence agencies, they were doing their job, and they were monitoring a Russian ambassador. Right. There is law and protocol, I want you to go into more detail here, where when they discover that an American is being spoken to with the person that they've targeted for surveillance, that if they don't have a warrant, they're supposed to stop recording, minimize what they hear from the American citizen, in this case, it would be General Flynn, so that right, makes it illegal. Right, the time. Explain. Right, so it's called minimization. It's a requirement under the law. 
you, when you find out that they're American, you don't have a wiretap, exactly what you said, you basically shut it off for their portion of the conversation. But, Sean, there was a sea change here in the NSA with an order that came out from President Obama 17 days before he left office where he allowed the NSA, who used to control the data, it now goes to 16 other agencies, and that just festered this whole leaking situation. And that happened on the way out as the president was right. leaving Hold the office. Hold that thought, because yeah. no, this okay. is important. I want you to stay on this. Yeah. Let me put up yeah. the New York Times. This is from January 12th, yeah. discussing this very thing that you said. In its final days, the Obama administration expanded the power of the National Security Agency to share globally intercepted personal communications with right. the government's 16 other agencies, intelligence agencies, before applying privacy protections. Let's explain the severity of this. This means that information that most people would never see is now spread right. all throughout the entire intelligence community. Explain the well, significance first question of that. I ask is why did the Obama administration wait till they had 17 days left in their administration to put this order in place? If they thought it was so important, they had eight years, they didn't do it. That's number one. Number two, it changed the existing rules, which was an executive order dating back to Ronald Reagan that has been in place until 17 days uh, before the Obama administration was going to end that said the NSA gets the raw data and they determine dissemination. Instead, this change that the president put in place, signed off, by the way, by James Clapper on December 15, 2016, signed off by Loretta Lynch, the attorney general, January 3, 2017, they decide that now all of a sudden six agencies, uh, 16 agencies can get the raw data. And what that does is it almost creates a shadow government. You have all these people that are not agreeing with the president, President Trump's position, so it just festers more leads. Do you agree? You know, if they had justification for this, wonderful. Why didn't they do it eight years ago, four years ago, three years ago? Yeah. They wait until 17 days left. So in other words, it makes it that much more difficult by spreading out the information amongst six sure. other agencies if they want to target or take away the privacy rights and illegally tap the phones, in this case of General Flynn, it's going to be much harder to find the perpetrators. Is that, sure. is that a good analysis? Yes, because what it's done is it's increased 16-fold the number of people that would have access to the communications. Initially, it was just the NSA. There's a very small amount of people that would have had access to this kind of data. But this change administratively by the Obama administration was so significant that they allowed dissemination to 16 other agencies of broad data, and Sean, we wonder why there's leaks, but I'll tell you something. President Obama, James Clapper, Loretta Lynch should be held accountable for this. Do you think it's not illegal what they did, was for the way they did, it was designed I like to know why. for the purpose of allowing their spies to do the very thing we see happening? Yeah, well, they're gonna, their justification will be it will help an intelligence gathering. But like I said, really, eight years right. late into your administration, you decide to do that? Yeah. 17 days Not to go? Credible. That needs to be answered. That and I'm going to be very curious to see what they say. Uh, all right. Let's so very, very interesting exchange there. Jay Sekulow, American Center for Law and Justice, on the Sean Hannity Show. And uh, the way they frame the story uh it's very palatable then to the American public. It's left versus right. Obama made a change, a rule change to the NSA, 17 days before he left office. That meant that the NSA, the NSA's raw data would, would be available to all the other 16 U.S. intelligence agencies. And therefore, it'd be much more difficult to track down anyone who was using it. So... But let's uh, let's work our way through this. Think about what was said. Number one, 
Jay Sekulow made the statement that if the NSA just had the data the way before that Obama rule change occurred, it was it'd be only available to a small group of pe- small number of people. I don't know how he could say that. Well, I mean, I heard him say it, but I, I'm not sure the basis of that. You look at how many people work for the NSA. At Fort Meade in Maryland alone, there's, a, I believe, around 50,000 people. Sorry, 50,000 people in Fort Meade alone. Then they have regional offices and their mega data center out in, uh, I think, Orem, Utah. So when you got 50,000 people in Fort Meade alone, obviously they all, they all don't have the same clearance. But the NSA alone, just having it, how could you say it would be a it'd be easier, but not easy, not limited, not a small group of people. And lest I forget, if any anyone does want to call into the show, that number is six one nine six three eight eight five five nine. Six one nine six three eight eight five five nine and we'll get you on the air. The other thing that really, uh, it's easy for me when I listen to some stuff, too, to, to initially say, oh, yeah, well, that's, you know, that makes sense. You go along with it, and then you step back. Sometimes think about it. Say, mm, that, that really didn't make sense. Uh, the thing that's really, that, that that's absurd about this idea that, you know, it was Obama rule change is this. I'm not denying that, that the rule change didn't occur. You got the New York Times piece. Not that I believe what's in the New York Times. But <laughs> it, it, the, the rule change did happen, okay? So that then administratively, the uh, the NSA was going to share the raw data with the 16 other U.S. intelligence agencies. But to then frame it to say, this was done to sabotage the incoming Trump administration. It, uh, both Sekulow and Sean Hannity miss a simple point. That rule change was done administratively by the Obama administration, and that rule change could be abrogated or abolished immediately by the Trump administration. Do you catch that? Do you understand the significance of that? The rule change was done administratively. It's done just by the Obama administration, and that rule change could flip back onto the Trump administration. But they don't address that because they want to divide us. They want us to think it's real simple. It's left versus right. It's Democrat versus Republican. They don't look at it. It's not. It's it's the people. It's the state. It's the federal government versus our individual liberties versus the people. They don't want that. They don't want us united. They want they want us divided. Left versus right. Black versus white. Oh yeah, here we talk a lot about how they how they try and generate racial conflict. They want us divided. The uh, the situation with Flynn again was very interesting. Had a piece by Pepe Escobar. Uh, he's he's quite the character. Uh, I believe he's Brazilian. He's he's covered uh, geopolitical events. Used to be based in the Far East. And he wrote a piece for Sputnik News called The Swamp Strikes Back. You know, Pepe. Pepe's a very, very colorful guy. If uh, you've watched him, if you've heard his name, if you've seen any of his videos, the way he writes, too, is very, he's colorful, colorful, he's very funny. 
And this is the way Pepe opened up his piece. The tawdry Michael Flynn soap opera boils down to the CIA hemorrhaging links to the company town newspaper, leading to the desired endgame, a resounding victory for the hardcore neocon, neoliberal con, U.S. deep state factions in one particular battle. But the war is not over. In fact, it's just beginning. Uh, Pepe Escobar points out about Flynn. Uh, Flynn, quote his piece, Flynn worked with special forces. He was head of the Defense Intelligence Agency, DIA. So I mean super high level under Obama. He handled highly classified top secret information 24-7. He obviously knew all his conversations on an open, unsecure line were monitored. So he had to have morphed into a compound incarnation of Three Stooges had he positioned himself to be blackmailed by Moscow. Now that statement by Pepe, it does, uh, there, is, there is one other alternative to that. That the line could have been secured and the NSA still got their hands on it. That is possible. But once again, uh, they were talking about Flynn and Russian Ambassador Sergei uh, Kislyak uh, were discussing you know, cooperation in the fight against ISIS and what Moscow, what my, Moscow might expect in return of lifting of sanctions. Now, Flynn, of course, didn't have authority at that point, but he was just discussing it. And once again, some people talk about the Logan Act. Uh, he didn't. He wasn't a government official then. It's, it's before he was appointed. So, in an unofficial capacity, yeah, there's just nothing illegal what what Flynn did. But somehow, but again, someone did leak it, sent it to the CIA's favorite newspaper, the Washington Post. And uh, Pepe goes on to say, to two points in the story that were ignored, the intelligence officials said there had been no finding inside the government that Flynn did anything illegal. The situation became unsustainable, not because of because of any issue being compromised by Russia, but because Flynn lied to the president and the vice president. Recap, nothing illegal, Flynn not compromised by Russia. The crime, according to the deep state factions, talking to a Russian diplomat. And then he went on to say, you know, Pepe's piece, Escobar's piece was interesting. He went on to say, you know, about you know, Flynn's, uh, Flynn's shortcomings and how basically it's, uh, it, really it really all could have been theater. That uh, yeah, you basically you, you dispatch Flynn, but Flynn could still be around. He could still be involved in the government, but it, it falls into uh, it, hel- it helps set the stage of this uh, Trump versus deep state uh, saga and narrative we're hearing uh, we're hearing so much about. He talks about in that piece Kissinger's ties to other people in the Trump administration, uh, particularly the Secretary of State. Uh, so. The, the the dialogue that's come out over this too just shows how they want to stoke uh they want to divide the US public again and then really get people to react emotionally, visceral. Visceral reaction to this. InfoWars covered a piece other people did too about some tweets between uh an ex NSA analyst. And uh it's very interesting. Uh, John Schindler, who spent nearly a decade inside NSA, the National Security Agency, as an intelligence analyst and counterintelligence author, stated Wednesday that a senior intelligence source said Trump will die in jail. That was a quote. Will die in jail following a series of tweets concerning recent leaks. Quote, now we go nuclear. I see intelligence community war going to new levels, Schindler wrote. Just got an EM from 
uh, from senior IC friend, intelligence community friend that began, he, Trump, will die in jail. That was February 15, 2017, a day after uh, Flynn was forced to resign. Warren Trump's tweets Wednesday that may have drawn the ire of the intelligence community accused national security officials of being un-American. Again, that goes back to Trump had tweeted on the 15th, the real scandal here is that classified information is illegally, illegally given out by intelligence like Kennedy, very un-American. Another tweet made specific mention in the New York Times and the Washington Post, two news outlets who have received numerous links from anonymous U.S. officials. President Trump also tweeted on, the 5th, on February 15th information that is being illegally given to the failing New York Times and Washington Post by the intelligence community, NSA and FBI, question mark, just like Russia. Trump's tweets followed both the resignation of National Security Advisor Mark T. Flynn and new leaks alleging repeated contact between Russian intelligence and the Trump campaign. Again, I, I think they have nothing. It's just a matter of causing controversy and dividing us so they were yeah, it would have come out. Think about it. If uh, if if there's elements, everyone, however you want to call it, the deep state, whatever. If elements in the intelligence community are working against Trump, and I think you can make you can make a real good argument that that is true. It's just a matter: is there a bigger perspective? Is there a bigger picture? If they're working against Trump, would and there was, let's say, there was illegal activity or communication uh, collusion. That were were Trump or Trump people uh, closely related to Trump were compromising U.S. security. You don't think they would have come out with that already? Why would they be sitting on it? Makes no sense. They have nothing. I don't. I don't believe in that area. They have nothing. It's just a matter. It's just another tool they're using to advise us. Flynn. Uh, part of the narrative too. I think it's overly simplistic and really false to frame this as. Deep State versus Trump is that Flynn himself uh, pretty much was a Deep State guy. Again, former Defense Intelligence Agency uh, head is the guy who's banging those war drums against Iran. And yeah, Trump had mentioned Iran a lot <laughs> even during the debates. I didn't realize that until I watched the video. So, it's uh, as usual, you know, what, what is being framed the way they attempt to explain the story isn't uh isn't exactly isn't exactly what has gone on. Remember the big picture as far as war and terror. The war and terror, as I've said before, is it's an impossible war to win because you can't win a war on on a, a tactic, as Ron Paul would say. You can't win a war on ideology, as I would say. It's impossible. Well, you can't go into every dictionary and then block, you know, black out the word terrorism. So, a war for it to be legal, you'd have to have war could only be legal against state actors, be you know, one sovereign state fighting another. The war on terrorism is a very convenient narrative to do a couple of things. Number one, to advance the agenda of the new world order. You know, it's a multi multi year agenda to get the U.S. to occupy various nations in the Middle East. It was out there, a project for a new American century, as well as Path to Persia, 2009. White papers out there, Brookings Institute, Path to Persia, George Path to Persia. But it also does, at the same time, the war on terror is an excellent, an excellent tool, method, ideology, and mindset to help incrementally 
transform the U.S. into a police state and take away our rights. Works very well. If there's if there's a constant, if there's a war that is never going to end, and you believe the enemy is real, then you do certain things as a state to people. The people then continue to have to make sacrifices, allegedly, to sacrifice their liberties to be more secure. Of course, that is that's a colossal lie. The more liberties we sacrifice the state, the less secure we are, because we're at a far greater risk of you know being uh, basically being injured and uh, incarcerated illegally and murdered by our own state than by terrorism. You have a greater chance of dying from bee sting than dying by a terrorist attack in the U.S. Just remember that you might be allergic to base things, and keep that in mind. This is a piece as far as war and terror that was written by uh, this was written by a guy named Olson Gunnar in the, in a New Eastern Outlook. Tony Carlucci works oh writes for that too. Tony Carlucci has his own blog, Think Land Destroyer. But you can find him if you do a startpage.com or duckduckgo.com search Tony Carlucci. Land Destroyer blog. But this piece was called How a Real War on Terrorism Would Look and Why the U.S. Isn't Fighting One in the New Eastern Outlook. And this author stated what's really behind terrorism. The, fa- the fanatics' weapons, supplies, vehicles, and finances that grease the wi- wheels of global terror do not merely spring forth from the pages of the Quran. Just like any national army, the army raised and wielded in the name of terrorism has several base components. Examining these components reveals a very uncomfortable but somewhat poorly hidden truth. In reality, fanatics must be indoctrinated, and they are in Saudi-funded madrasas and Saudi-funded madrasas and mosques, mosque networks wrapping around the globe. In the U.S. and across Europe, these madrasas and mosques often serve as both indoctrination centers and recruiting stations. They operate as such, with the explicit knowledge, even cooperation of U.S. and European security intelligence agencies. One such, one such center can be found in Denmark at Grimhovev Mosque in Aarhus, which openly serves as a recruiting station for militants meant to fight abroad in U.S.-European-backed wars in Libya, Syria, Iraq, and Yemen. The government of Denmark openly collaborates with the mosque to integrate these individuals back into Danish society when they return. The mosque in Aarhus is hardly an isolated example. Such mosques backed and protected by U.S., European, Saudi money, and political influence stock the globe, feeding recruits into a global mercenary army, carrying out proxy war and staging terrorist attacks whenever and wherever politically convenient. Both WikiLeaks and even the U.S.'s own Defense Intelligence Agency has released documents exposing the role both the West and Gulf states, such as Saudi Arabia and Qatar, have played in the arming and funding of actual militants once they reach the battlefield. Additionally, militants that have been indoctrinated, trained, armed, funded, and battle-hardened by Western and Gulf sponsorship return back to their respective nations where they are cultivated, where they are then cultivated for domestic operations. Terror attacks like those in Paris and Brussels, Berlin, and elsewhere are carried out almost exclusively by militants U.S. European security and intelligence agencies known about and even arrested, but inexplicably released, allowing them to carry out their attacks. He didn't use the phrase there, but he's talking about false flags. So keep the big picture in mind again when people are talking about 
Trump versus Deep State. I'm going to play a video. It's about 12 minutes long. Uh, it's by Aaron Dykes. Aaron Dykes has done you know, some great work throughout the years. Uh, I think he was one of the producers of uh, the Obama Deception. It's an excellent documentary before Obama took office. The name of this video is Deep State's Dramatic Emergence. Is proof our elections mean nothing. They threw in the elections mean nothing. He, uh, I, you know, you could debate that point uh, as far as elections. I mean, elections have some value as far as making a statement, as far as changing things immediately. Now you could say it's it would be a limited value, but uh, this, this talks about the conflict again between uh, between the deep state and the Trump administration as far as what happened with Flynn and. Uh, Aaron, Aaron is really astute. I mean, he's you know liberty movement hardcore, but still, I'm going to play this video and then uh, I'll make some observations. General Flynn has admitted misleading the vice president, but I think we have to look at this a little bit deeper. A, a phone call from the incoming director of national security was intercepted and uh, the contents given to the media. Now, what's at the core of this is an effort by some in the intelligence community to upend any uh, positive relationship between the U.S. and Russia. Former Congressman Dennis Kucinich has come out of hiding. Uh, he's been quiet through almost the entire Obama administration. He used to be a very vocal critic uh, during the war on terrorism, uh, in the wake of 9-11 during the Bush years. And now that Trump's back in, he's saying things that are just never have been said publicly before on TV. There are people trying to separate the U.S. and Russia so that this uh, military-industrial uh, intel um, access can cash in. The American people have to know that there's a game going on inside the intelligence community where there are those who want to separate the U.S. from Russia in a way that would reignite the Cold War. That's what's at the bottom of all this. It's like it's early in the morning, it's Valentine's Day, but wake up, America. Warning the American people that the intelligence community, the shadow government, the apparatus is trying to undermine the Trump administration. Hey, look, this, what's going on in the intelligence community with this new president is unprecedented. They're making every effort to upend him. And part of this is, do we really have elections or not? Do we really elect a president, or is the intelligence community and the deep establishment and the banking interest and the bloodline families, are they really the ones who are in charge no matter what? We need to make sure the White House is communicating clearly to the American people about what's going on, but the question is, is the president getting the right information? And are there games being played inside the intelligence community to force American policy in a direction that's different than what the White House wants? We need to have closer ties with Russia. We, we, we can't be suckers in this, but we cannot also have uh, certain people playing an agenda that separates us uh, from uh, our aspirations for peace between the two major powers in the world. So Kucinich went on TV to point out that the entire bringing down of General Flynn, uh, while he admitted to wrongdoing, was set up because it was leaked. 
uh, from inside the system, specifically from high levels of inside the intelligence apparatus. The entire intelligence uh, community. There's definitely something going on inside the intelligence community uh, to try to undermine this administration. This isn't about whether you're for or against Donald Trump. Right. Hello? This is about whether or not the American people are, are bystanders in a power play inside the intelligence community, the outcome of which could determine our relationships with Russia and whether or not billions of dollars are going to be spent in a new Cold War. Whether you're for Trump or against Trump, the White House is under attack from elements inside the intelligence community which are trying to uh, 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 elevate tensions between Russia and the United States and at the bottom of that is, is money, is an agenda for somebody to cash in on conflict between the U.S. and Russia at any level. CIA, NSA, the 17 intelligence agencies, the contractors, they intercepted his conversations and deliberately leaked it to the media to set Mike Flynn up. And why? What's at the heart of the issue? Well, he's talking with the Russian diplomat about making relations between our countries friendly again, dropping sanctions, and not building up the war. And that's exactly what the intelligence community and the deep establishment and the deep state do not want. Now, we haven't seen what Trump is going to do in the years to come. This may be how they twist his arm. Maybe he was down for this agenda the whole time. Regardless, irrespective of Trump and his agenda, this is yet another blatant display of the shadow government reasserting its power and putting its foot down and saying, no, we will undo your lieutenants and your top cabinet people, and we will take out your version of national security because we control intelligence and we control this country. That's the message. Now, whether Trump is playing his part so that the American people at large can witness this message in a pageant form... Today's secret word is... Deep state. Now, you all remember what to do whenever anyone says a secret word, right? This is like deep state. This is like some kind of a spy novel. And, and, but it's real, and the American people have to understand a game is being played with the security of our country. Or whether Trump is getting schooled the way that JFK and other presidents have in the past, this is what is happening. And as Kucinich points out, the interests behind it are very much military-industrial complex. They stand to make billions of dollars and gain all kinds of new powers from even the slight hint of war with Russia. Here in Russia, you see the reason why we are spending billions of dollars in defense production. Why your family is paying the highest taxes in our history. They want a new Cold War. Who knows if it would ever go hot. But just with the Cold War, they can have an entire atmosphere of repression. They can put in whatever surveillance they want. And Trump has obviously gone along with that. But this is about bigger issues. This is about who's actually going to steer the ship of state. And this happened with Obama, too, as Kucinich pointed out. It's not just this administration. In the closing months of the Obama administration, they put together a deal with Russia to uh, create peace in Syria. A few days later, a military strike in Syria killed 100 uh, Syrian soldiers, and that ended the agreement. Inside the intelligence and the Pentagon, there was a deliberate effort to sabotage an agreement the White House made. And, and so the bottom line is, we should not start a Cold War again with Russia. The American people forked over billions of dollars for the last one and changed the quality of life in this country. And of course, the intelligence community 
was steering the Obama administration the whole time, and yet at the end, Obama did go along with the Russian set peace agreement in Syria. They had a ceasefire that basically wasn't even reported in the media, but it happened, and it was quickly broken by the U.S. intelligence community when there were unauthorized bombings and oh, oh well, so much for ceasefire. They undermine Obama, and they'll do it to Trump, and they'll do it to all presidents. This isn't very well known, but before JFK learned the ultimate lesson in who's in charge of this country and got the ultimate reprimand for daring to bug the orders of the CIA and go against the wishes of the national security structure, Eisenhower learned the warning too. Uh, Fletcher Prouty, who's a, a very important whistleblower in history, he went on record and wrote books and did video testimonies, used to be very high up in the State Department and some of the liaison agencies, and he saw this entire military infrastructure build from the inside, and he wrote about how Eisenhower was pursuing very sincere peace negotiations with Khrushchev at the end of his term. He had some very important peace talks building up, and he wanted them to succeed. He wanted to be the president who ended the Cold War and resettled the peace, but the CIA had another message for him. And Alan Dulles was that CIA man, and, and the Dulles brothers were the real power behind the throne in the Eisenhower administration. And it's not even clear how much Eisenhower understood that, but he certainly got the message the day that the famous U-2 spy plane crashed with Gary Powers. And it completely ended and ruined the diplomatic talks between Russia and the U.S. because there was proof that the U.S., was trying to undermine Russia and spy on them. You see how this works? So Eisenhower got a stern warning. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportion. Total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. And JFK got an even sterner warning. Obama's administration uh, was bugged when it tried to go against the wishes, and now Trump is openly defying them. This is a very, very dangerous point. This is a power structure that's like a cornered animal. It's more dangerous than ever. And as Dennis Kucinich says, who knows what the truth is anymore? They've been propagating this narrative about fake news who knows what the truth is anymore? It's like, it's like, this is like Mad Mag, the electronic version of Mad Magazine, spy versus spy. And the mainstream outlets, the ones controlled directly by the CIA, have been deliberately putting out fake stories to see who will report on those stories and continue that narrative, and then exposing it as fake news. And they've been, as you know, blatantly blacklisting blogs. This is going to continue more and more, and specifically behind this attack on Trump's administration, we find some intelligence officials very close to Hillary Clinton. Just recently, you had uh, someone who officially endorsed her and who was very close in the State Department to her, Mike Morrell, go on Charlie Rose on PBS and talk openly about attempting to agitate Putin and start a war with Russia, trying to agitate Iran, Assad in Syria, and other leaders he doesn't like by killing people who are close to them, by taking out people who are inside their administration. I want to scare Assad. I want to um, go after his presidential guard. I want to bomb his offices. We need to make the, the Iran 
Iranians pay a price in Syria. We need to make the Russians pay a price. By killing killing Russians? Yes. And killing Iranians? Yes. Covertly. And that has been happening. There's been mysterious killings. And now there's this inside job sabotage of Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn had been critical specifically of Mike Morrell. They wrote columns about each other. Mike Morrell works side-by-side, side, by the way, at Beacon Global Strategies alongside Philip Raines, who is the senior advisor to Hillary Clinton inside the State Department, who was the first person to tweet out after Mike Flynn resigned what goes around comments around making reference to the Pizzagate scandal. Hillary Clinton is taking jabs at Flynn's resignation. It started when a former aide of hers tweeted this. Dear Mike Flynn and Mike Flynn Jr., what goes around comes around. He then included a link for a job opening at Domino's Pizza. It is a reference to General Flynn's son's tweets regarding the uh, Comet Pizza child trafficking conspiracy theory. Hillary Clinton then tweeted herself, uh, Philippe's got his own way of saying things, but he has a point about the real consequences of fake news. And Hillary Clinton directly backed up what he said and said these are the consequences of fake news. They went after him, they took him down, and they took credit for him just as a terror cell does in some foreign country. This is an intelligence coup within the system. Very, very dangerous. At least know about it. You know, this isn't a joke. This is a serious matter. And we could be set at war with almost any country. Be very careful is my warning this morning. Wow. So on that that video again, truthstreammedia.com, YouTube, Deep State's Dramatic Emergence, uh, Aaron Dykes, Truthstream Media. Again, Aaron, Aaron's a great uh, he's a great analyst. What he left out though in that uh, in framing, even from his perspective, talking about this deep state, uh, supposedly the narrative of the deep state versus Donald Trump, the coup against Flynn. Let's not forget, once again, Flynn was anti-Iran. Uh, Trump, I believe it was the day after Iran said they were no longer going to trade oil in U.S. dollars, then Trump and or Flynn put Iran on notice. Trump sent out a tweet. Iran was being placed on notice. <laughs> so, as easy as it is to fall into this, to, to see it as left versus right, and yeah, those tweets by that, yeah, you know, Hillary aide and Hillary herself. Uh, I really see it as more, it's more high level theater. Uh, you look at the people Trump has surrounded himself with, the uh, generals, particularly Mattis, uh, Secretary of Defense, and having uh, having a retired general, Secretary of Defense, I believe he was retired less than seven years, he had to get a waiver by Congress. Uh, Director of Homeland Security. These are not people that uh, cherish the Constitution. These are not people that respect their individual liberties. And in the grand scheme of things, remember the state always, the state enjoys war because that gives the state more power. People in power can do more things under the guise of war they couldn't without war. And that goes back to what I said about the war on terror. When you have a war against an ideology or a tactic, it's never going to end. The state continues to get more powerful. Individual liberties continue to fade away to just methodically 
and slowly, continually be eviscerated. So as tempting as it is to see this as uh, this deep state versus Trump narrative as real, uh, to me, even if it is real, it's once again a situation of heads I win, tails you lose. Uh, heads, the uh, the state wins, the power of the state wins. Tails, the people lose. <laughs> uh, you look, you look again. Don't forget who Trump has surrounded himself with. Pence, in Congress, was opposed to all Trump's core issues. He was for the fake trade deals. Uh, he was for amnesty. Trump has chosen Rince Priebus, RNC chair, as a chief of, as a chief of staff. Mnuchin, Treasury Secretary, literally ran a hedge fund, for, you know, started by George Soros. Not to mention all the time he spent at Goldman Sachs, not to mention, as I've said before in this show, his ties to IndyMac. You could do a search on IndyMac, Steve Mnuchin, IndyMac. Steve Mnuchin, starpage.com, duckduckgo.com. Mnuchin is beyond a scoundrel. So Trump, again, runs as a populist. Trump runs against Goldman Sachs. Trump brings in high-level Goldman Sachs all over his administration. Trump runs as a non-interventionist. That was the one issue that attracted me to Trump, and he had been consistent. He had been all over the map in a lot of areas, but as far as uh, Middle East wars, there was consistency there. He was he was largely against them. Some people will talk about one statement he made on the Howard Stern, Howard Stern show, but uh, we're talking about the fact he took out a one-page ad in the New York Times against the Iraq War. So Trump ran as a non-interventionist before the South Carolina primary. Some people were saying, you know, Trump, Trump really sounded like Ron Paul on steroids. So now what does he do in office? He surrounded himself with people that are neocons, neoconservatives. Uh, and it does appear very much that they are setting the stage for for war with Iran. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Dyke's wife, Melissa Dykes, put together a video. I'm not gonna, I wouldn't play it tonight, but it was very, uh, it was very well done called Trump's New World Order. Trump's New World Order. That was done before Aaron's. And if you watch that in concert with what Aaron did, you get really good, you get a full view as far as what's gone on, what's going on. Uh, the people surrounding Trump are, by and large, neocons. And you could say Trump's his own man, and a lot of people in the liberty movement that have gotten on the Trump train, I think they don't want to, they just don't want to face reality. And that's part of the problem as far as when they know how easily the powers that be, how easily people could be manipulated because you just emotionally attach yourself to a leader for or against. You go back to Kucinich and what he said. Kucinich himself was an interesting character. Yeah, he was for, I mean, the guy's basically a theoretical socialist. He was for, you know, you know getting rid of the Fed. But, you know, Kucinich, again, in my mind, I mean, he sold his soul to Obama. He knew Obamacare was a fraud. It wasn't going to help people, yet he got on board. So people people have an agenda, I think, again, Kucinich, knowing that as as the whole, when you look at the whole political scheme of things, most people divide left versus right. There's been a growing liberty, independent patriot movement, 
and that by and large has been co-opted. Uh, as I've said before, the Ron Paul movement, in regards to where Ron is himself, is largely co-opted with Rand Paul. Rand Paul is just another politician, and now we have Trump as a populist, and he's he's sucked in many many libertarians uh, because of non-intervention, because he clearly was an outsider, and certainly there are things to applaud Trump for, you know, not you know, you know finally getting rid of the, the uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership. Uh, things like that. There's no doubt. You know, Trump Trump's done some good. But you look at the, the totality again of the administration. We'll see what's unfold. You look at the players around him, and it is it is new world order. It's uh, it is is new world order. So we'll see how this unfolds. No doubt things are being said and done we haven't seen before. How uh, how do I inter- how do I interpret taking out Flynn? Well. There'd basically be two ways you could look at it. Number one, uh, it was completely real, and there is uh, there's the elements in the intelligence community that are fighting against Trump. Again, if that's true, uh, Trump has his own CIA director. Uh, Trump's not averse to firing people. Trump's not averse to hiring people that will fire people. Uh, could change that rule that Obama put in place with the NSA 17 days before Obama left office. You could uh, you get a better handle on dissemination of raw data. So those things could be done. Uh, is it all theater? I'd say no. I'd say no. I'd say most of it is, but all of it isn't. As Pepe Escobar said, Flynn still may be around the background, kind of similar to the way Roger Stone is still influential in uh, with Trump but outside, not having an official you know, cabinet post or administration job. He's still, he's still got Trump's ear. I, uh, I kind of see this, the conflict as uh, what happened in 1976. Atlantic City, they tried before, had voted to make gambling legal there. Atlantic City, New Jersey, and opened up casinos in 1976, or over 40 years ago. And uh, when that happened, you had you had some things you hadn't seen before at the time. The Italian mafia, La Cosa Nostra, had largely been more domesticated, uh, more sophisticated. But you had some open uh, open gang wars, really. You had some open assassinations because what happened when the casinos were about to open in Atlantic City? You had turf, you had turf wars. You had the Philadelphia mob fighting the New York City mob. You had, you had Philadelphia organized crime families <laughs> fighting Italian organized crime families. Some people died. So when that happened, you know, by you know someone looking at it could say, okay, well this person got shot, so the person that killed them was evil. So you look at Flynn, yeah, Flynn, it was, in a very real sense, political assassination. If the whole thing wasn't staged, I would argue it wasn't. But the reality is, what we see playing out, this is more like a a fight between two organized crime factions. You have Trump taking territory. Yeah, it's turf protection. Trump comes in, he hasn't paid his dues. 
Yet, the New World Order clearly wanted him to win. I mean, you look at the popular vote, even with, even with the millions of, of uh, illegals that probably voted in California, uh, they could have flipped it in certain states. They could have had Hillary win. So they wanted Trump to win, and that's what you have to keep in mind as, as this whole thing unfolds. They wanted Trump to win for a reason. There's a reason they wanted a populist to win. I think Trump is far more valuable to the world order alive than dead because they have him exactly where they want him to. We could debate forever. Was the whole thing staged? Or was Trump co-opted? It doesn't matter. They still get their way. They still get their way. So I think what we're seeing is more like a war between two organized crime families. <laughs> uh, it may seem crude, but that's what I think is, is playing out now. In the end, again, I think John Whitehead is correct. Uh, we're going to get more police state. going to lose more of our liberties. I think it's going to have to get worse before the American people see they're being played. Uh, and then I think we get it better. The goal, again, long-term and short-term is decentralization of power, is take power power from the federal government, put it back to state level, take power at the state level, put it back at the county level, take power at the county level, put it back at the, at the local level. But particularly, the states can interpose against the power of the federal government. There's no reason why North Carolina could make abortion legal tomorrow. And the politicians, especially those professing believers that say it's impossible, they are liars, they're they're ignorant, or deceived or liars, can be done. Just takes political will. And obviously the system rails against people and works against people at any level of government that attempt to actually change things in a significant way for the better. We will see how the saga of... Uh, President Donald J. Trump unfolds. Uh, much more will happen. Hopefully we will stay out of this war with Iran, but it certainly looks like this is a, this is what they have planned, particularly after Iran did what Libya had done, and that was stop trading oil in U.S. dollars. You've been listening to last Friday nights with Rocco P. and the KIRP radio show. Once again, I thank Pudgy Mill for the opportunity to use his platform at least once a month. Please tune back in next month. And I'm sure Pudgy will have some shows too on Sunday night. KIRP Radio Show. Again, thank you for listening. KIRP Radio!